on this episode of AV Week, AVIX's 2020 Steering Committee, a new workforce pipeline, as well as CI's Integrator of the Year, and the largest 8K holographic display. All this and more on this episode of AV Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is AV Week, episode 431, Selling What We Do. Support for AV Nation is brought to you by Middle Atlantic, what great systems are built on, and by Christie Digital, and by QSC, who invites you to go native with the QSIS audio, video, and control ecosystem, and by AV Pro Edge, manufacturer of next-level video distribution solutions. This is AV Week, your weekly roundup of all the latest news and stories for the audiovisual industry. I'm your host, Matt D. Scott for avnation.tv, and this week we are pleased to be joined by my good friend Craig McCormick. He is the executive editor at Commercial Integrator. How are you, sir? I'm doing very well. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for being here. And we also have Mike Abernathy. He is the director of business resources at NSCA. How are you, sir? I'm well, Matt. Thank you both for being here. Uh, if, if you didn't notice, I am not Tim. I'm filling in for Mr. Albright today as he is on the road, but we are going to have a great show. So let's kick it off with a story that comes to us from avionation.tv. Avixa has revealed their 2020 certification steering committee election results. Uh, they announced that Gain Foster, Rakesh Kumar, Christopher Cusick, uh, Michael Peterson, Rebecca Sullins, and uh, our, our good friend Justin Watts have joined that committee. So, Craig, I kind of want to start off with you on this one. Why do why do people, you know, we understand the importance of the steering committee and 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 all the committees out there and all the volunteer opportunities that are out within this industry. Why is it so important? And and really, why do people volunteer their time into arguably a, a thankless position that adds? Uh, usually no monetary value to their life, uh, but takes up a bunch of time and probably has a little bit of stress. I, I haven't been on this committee, so I don't know that for a fact, but I've been on a lot of committees and, and boards and, and things such as that. And you're adding a lot of fun stuff for your to your life for uh, a reason. What is that reason? Why do people commit their time and energy to these types of things? Um, I think it's probably a couple of things. Uh, I think first of all, it's it's a way to have some influence over something going on in your industry that that you might not otherwise have any influence over. It's you know kind of similar to getting involved with with an election or a campaign or something like that. You're 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 actually uh, put, putting forward your ideas and, and giving somebody your ideas on on how something should go in in, in a particular aspect of, of your industry. The other thing that I, I think is uh, is a driver for it is just um, the the opportunity to meet people in your industry and kind of find out how they do things and you know hear about what they're doing and how it compares to to what you're doing and and it might be something that you're able to bring back an idea to your company and say well you know I heard about this as part of my committee and and maybe we should give it a shot I think it might work for us. Very good, Mike. When when you see this and. One of the things that that I, I kind of took away from this list specifically was there's only two two new people on this committee that only hold a CTS. 
everybody else holds a CTSD and a CTSI, which is obviously that's important if you're going to be in the steering committee for the CTS program. But it's also a testament to them managing to find some incredibly qualified uh, volunteers. How important is it to, 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 to find the right qualified candidates for volunteer positions? Or is it something where you literally just take whoever can volunteer? Yeah, you know, great, great question. And I work for an organization that is built on volunteers. We work for a board of directors here at NSCA. And, you know, there's a vetting process, right? And we look at a lot of different things, position in the industry, experience, role, um, and, and, and so forth. But really looking at, you know, when you look at CTSI, CTSD, there's obviously an investment there, right? There's been an investment in training. There's been an investment in, in time. And there's also a, a shows a care there, right, for the, for the industry and the profession. So it's, it's taking that time as, as an association or as the board itself and looking at that and, and applying what those, what those candidates and, and everyone that, that volunteers and making sure then that applies to the mission and the goals of the organization. Very good. All right, gentlemen, let's move on to our next story of the day. This comes to us from Commercial Integrator. We're going to hit two stories from them today. An AV workforce pipeline requires educational partnerships. Uh, this is talking about uh, essentially a, a massive issue within the, within the industry that uh, I would argue probably doesn't get spoken enough or spoken about enough. Um, in this article, uh, they interviewed the California-based firm Spinator, and one of their major issues is they cannot find enough people. They're letting projects go because they cannot find enough uh, qualified staff or or staff that they can ramp up fast enough. So, Mike, I'm going to come back to you again, uh, primarily because NSCA is quoted in this. Uh, you and the whole team there, including Kelly Perkins, you've launched initiatives to help bring more more people into this industry. Why is it such a why is it such a challenge to not only find qualified people, but to create partnerships in those educational channels to say, hey, this is a valid career choice. This is something that you can go through, whatever type of schooling you want to do, and find the the AV industry, the, the Avixa channel as a valid career choice? Yeah, I think one thing and, and, and the Ignite program and what Avixa is doing and, and, and so forth with the different initiatives out there um, is one thing we haven't done as an industry, we haven't done a good job at going out and selling what we do, right? What we do as AV integrators or security integrators or, you know, whatever it may be on, on the low voltage side of of things. We haven't done a good job of going out to technical schools or, you know, even high schools and looking at career fairs and selling our industry. You know, you ask, well, you know, when you say you're in the AV industry, sometimes you get that look like, well, what is that? What do you do? You know, what does that mean? And, and those type of things. So I think going out as, as integrators and manufacturers and, you know, as general industry, um, folks like ourselves is going and building those relationships with, with, with the instructors, uh, obviously with students, but more importantly with the instructors and the placement, you know, offices and so forth of tech schools and even universities 
and going out and, and, and building those relationships. And so when they want to play someone, maybe they have great IT chops. Well, then you get them involved in, in AV and you start teaching them, you know, the AV side of things and moving on from there. And, you know, Spinatar is a great example. And I know it's quoted in the article, seven, you know, our average member, it's seven, in, uh, has an opening for seven employees, seven job openings. And for a small company, um, you know, they're turning, uh, well, even large, larger companies like Spinatar, they're turning down opportunities because of capacity and the lack of, and the lack of, uh, of, of talent out there to, to get, to get work done. Craig, Mike brings up a really good point that, you know, integrators need to get involved. Manufacturers need to get involved. Who, who ultimately has to own this? Because uh, as an integrator, I can go out to my local school, to my trade schools, to, you know, IT certification firms and plug what we do and, and, and why they may want to come work for Omega and, and, have a great career with us, but it's got to be bigger than that. It's got to be a, you know, orchestrated approach. Is that something that, you know, obviously NSDA has picked that up really strongly, but is it just up to them to do it? Is it up to Avixa to do it? Is it up to CDA to do it? Is it up to a bigger overarching, you know, association to do it? Who, who's going to own this? Well, I, I think you're right about the associations have to definitely be involved in it and the, the businesses themselves have to be involved in it. But it can't just be, you know, the HR person or the marketing person in, in a firm. It has to be all the way from the CEO all the way down. It has to be something that they firmly believe in and that they're focused on bringing in, you know, the next wave of talent, the next generation that's going to basically take their place when, when they retire, essentially, you know, as as people move up. It's... It, it's something that everybody has to be involved in. Um, Mike brought up the the idea of you know people don't know about you know having a career in AV and something that you know they they maybe aren't aware of. And I find that a lot when I talk to young people. They they say that you know in high school they never heard of AV and sometimes in college they didn't know what AV was. That you know they were doing things that were AV related, but nobody ever called it that, and they never knew that what they were actually doing were AV things and skills that would help them get a career in AV. So that, that's something that has to change also. Who, who, is, who is going to own that change though? Is this something where everyone that works for an integration firm needs to have their elevator pitch of what they do? Not a sales pitch for their company, but because to me, it, it's almost like the entire channel needs a PSA. Yep. They need people, you know, boots on the street out there saying, hey, this is this awesome career waving a flag. This is an awesome career that anybody could technically get into. Why do people not do that? I, I, I think the problem is the message is maybe coming from people and you know an industry that's, to borrow a phrase that we've used a bunch of times in our publication, a bunch of old white guys. I mean, it's it it's not appealing to to young kids because of who it's coming from basically that you know they don't want to work where their dad worked or something like that they because they don't know that it's cool necessarily they they don't understand that there are things that they are actually interested in that are going on within the walls of these companies and and within this industry that that they could be doing right now i mean esports is one of the the big things that, that we've been focusing a lot on lately and and that's something i mean young people 
obviously have a lot of interest in in that sort of thing. That you know, that's that's just one example. I mean, there there are plenty of examples like that where it might be the the messenger is the problem. I mean, NSEA NSEA night program is a great opportunity and and a great initiative. The Avixa um, grant program is is another great initiative that that's going on, but it it maybe has to come from I don't know a, a different group of people or or you know a, come, the message has to be delivered in a different sort of way. I think. Very good. All right, gentlemen, let's move on to our next story of the day. This also comes to us from Commercial Integrator. I'm assuming that this will be a cover story on one of the next published uh, magazines. From dorm rooms to $150 million, the new integrator of 2019 is Solutions, Inc. If you haven't heard of Solutions, Inc., you're not alone. They have been a company that is, uh, Craig, correct me if I'm wrong, they have operated very effectively under the radar. They are a very quiet, dark horse. They have, they're primarily located in LA, but they essentially have offices across the entire country, uh, in, in the US that is. They have been in business for 18 years. They've got over 300 employees. And as, as I mentioned out at the top, they have 100, excuse me, 150 million in commercial revenue this year alone. Craig, I want to come back and, and, and start with you on this. And first of all, fantastic article. It, it covers a, a lot of different things um, that Solutions is doing. One of the key takeaways I, I found in this was that this seems to be kind of one of the new breeds of companies in our space where it's not an AV company that has transitioned into IT. It's not an AV company that's transitioned into live sound or, or production or events. It's a UC company that was formed in a dorm room and played in the UC space for years before they, you know, kind of slowly got into AV and now they are a full-fledged UC AV company. Why is that so so unique in this channel? It's, it's not the traditional path. Like you, like you said, it's, 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 it's not the way that, that a lot of these companies go. And, um, I, I just think that they made their business model was to to go in one direction and they, they realized that, you know, while they were, while they were building these UC systems, they could also help with, with AV and had the expertise to be able to do it. And they, they, like, like you said, they built themselves up to be a $150 million company. It's, it's, you know, it, it, it's been an ingenious uh, business model that, like you said, started in a, in a dorm room at Pepperdine university and has, has grown in the last 18 years. And, um, the, their goal is to be the number one integrator in the industry. So uh, they, they're, you know, kind of well, well on their way, although they, they, they do have a, a long way to go, but $150 million isn't a bad, bad start. No, not at all. Mike, there's, there's a couple of things that I can touch on this, but one of the things that kind of brings us back to the, the first story that we covered today, <clears throat> they have a, I, I'd say a unique approach in print. And, and what I mean by that is I feel this is a fairly common uh, feeling, but maybe not uh, publicized as much. They went as far as to publicize their unique philosophy on certification, uh, essentially being that certifications are important, but they'd much rather have employees that have the knowledge to solve the problems, to fix the, the, the issues and make the solutions work for their clients opposed to just having a certification on the wall. Is that 
one, is that a common approach? And two, is that something where we need to really continue to evolve certifications in this channel, in this industry? You know, I think it depends, right? And, and you know, certifications um, are good for a number of reasons, right? You're setting standards for the industry. There's, there's a benchmark. You know, one thing that uh, sometimes you compare ourselves to the AV industry to the IT industry, there, there aren't the standards compared with each other, right? When you look at support and so forth. Um, so I think it's good to have that out there. It's good that the, the industry with CTS has those, you know, and there's, you know, if you get over in the, uh, you know, the Bixie side of things with RCDD and, and so forth, those are good basic standards to have and to show that you have a, a level set knowledge, right? Like anything else. But it's also when you, and, and I think maybe this is where the, uh, where they're coming from is, but then you have to take it back to your shop, right? To your company and build that around and ensure that that you're taking those the knowledge that's supposed to be and shown through those certifications that you can apply it and then that creates and that comes around the company culture right is is embracing that and ensuring that that's um you know that knowledge there is to go out and solve those problems and have the leadership within within the company to do so so um, I, I agree. That was an interesting take on it. And I think it depends on your, your company. It depends on your, your culture, your leadership and, uh, and, and so forth. So they have a lot of, a lot of good things going on there. I agree with, uh, Craig and, and you, I, I know of them, but I don't know a lot about, about the yeah. company. So yeah, very interesting. Craig, I, I want to come back and ask you one more kind of follow up on this. <laughs> They've to a degree built their company, it, it seems, uh, out of acquisitions. Their approach, again, seems to be a little unique in the manner in which they do it. They, they've obviously, you know, recognized that it's not a one-size-fits-all, which is kind of what we see with most companies within the channel and, and outside of the channel when they acquire somebody. They, bring, they, they go out there, they acquire a, 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 another company, bring it in and just instantly hey, here's our shirts, here's our brand, this is how we do it, make this happen, look identical to us. Um, they're kind of gone a different way. They, they're, their approach is, is more that they're acquire, acquiring the individuals opposed to the, the, the company. Why is, that, why is that so unique to the way in which our industry normally deals with acquisitions in, in the integrator side of things. Well, I think, I think it's, it's exactly what you said. Usually it's, you know, here's, here's our shirt and now you're part of our company. In the case of solutions, they, they, uh, um, the first acquisition that they made for RTS, they, they wanted to change or they, they wanted RTS to feel like they were part of the solutions family. And they said, do you want to change your name to solutions? And they held off a little bit and eventually, you know, they, they became comfortable enough that um, solutions, you know, our solutions took over the, the RTS branding and now RTS has, has gone away. They've made other acquisitions in, in other areas and certainly not all their acquisitions have been successful. They've, you know, had you know, bumps in the road and, you know, different systems that they've had to figure out and things like that. But um, they, they, 
are not shy about you know going forward and pursuing more acquisitions. The, the, the CEO, Bill Warnick, specifically said they continue to be on the hunt. So I wouldn't be surprised if they, they make more, you know, whether it's by the end of this year or sometime in, in 2020 or, you know, be, beyond that, um, they're, they're going to have to, you know, do something to, to get to the, the top of the mountain and become mm-hmm. the, the number one integrator. They're going to have to keep, keep building somehow. So, um, but um, the, he, he told me that, you know, they, they don't have a particular geography that they look for. They, it's not about, you know, filling a particular vertical or anything like that. It's just what feels right. It, you know, what, what opportunity is, is the best for them at that particular time. And that, that may change as, as they go forward, you know, something that they may be interested in at one point, they maybe will move on and, and find a different opportunity. Very good. All right, gentlemen, let's hit our last story of the day. This comes to us from AV Magazine. The world's largest 8K holographic display is launched. Now, typically when you hear the largest display is launched, we're talking 256, 300 in, you know, something ridiculous. In this case, uh, it is a 32 inch. That is the largest 8K holographic display to ever be built. Um, take a look at this story. You'll, you'll find it in the show notes and, and specifically watch the video. When you look through it, this is a, uh, a new product powered by the Looking Glass Factory's proprietary 45 element light field tech. Um, it is a very interesting and, and kind of optical uh, viewing system. Mike, I want to come in and start with you on this. This is a piece of hardware that, albeit looks really, really cool. I, I really want to see one in person, but it is holographic, uh, essentially you know, uh, think artificial reality, virtual reality without the glasses, without head tracking, with all, without all of that technology an actual holographic display. This is something that in our channel, in our industry, there's technically a lot of opportunity there, but for the most part, it seems to just be opportunity on the sale of this product where does the where does the opportunity beyond hey we've sold you this box figure out how to use it where 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 does that actual opportunity lie where what's out there for uh integrators in this channel yeah so i was great question and i was thinking about that and and you know one thing that we're talking about and and i speak with integrators all the time is how do you transform your business, right? And this looks like an opportunity to transform your business and pushing content, as you kind of we you know mentioned earlier, and pushing pushing content and helping integrators have something else to to you know share and discuss with with a client, and maybe it's another way into the door of pushing this content and other ways to solve problems for a client, if it's in healthcare or whatever the vertical market may be. And, um, and then all of a sudden it's not the, it's not the box you're selling, right? It's not the display. It's, it's solving the problems and the services. And, you know, Craig, you and I, we, we we're, we're chatting about as a service all the time, right? AV as a service. And, you know, is this a tool, is, is this a tool and content to help, to help that? And to have one more thing to, to, you know, add as a service to your clients as an integrator. Very good. Craig, I'll give you the last word on this. And I, I, I honestly have a fairly simple question for you. Is this the next generation 
of ridiculously cool display technology? Or is this another version of, you know, fill in the blank, whatever ridiculous flavor of the month tech that our industry's kind of developed? Where's this going to go? What's the potential here? Um, I, I think it realistically could, could go either way. I, I have a feeling it's, it's going to be the, the latter and, and maybe won't last all, all that long. I, I think it is very cool and, and it, it, it looks neat. And I, I agree with you. The video is definitely worth watching and, and people who, who are uh, lis- listening in here should, uh, should definitely check it out. Um, in terms of practical application, I, I don't know if there's a, ton of it. I, I, I think maybe integrators could use it as, you know, kind of the, the next kind of modeling, modeling their, their designs for, for customers and having them come in and, you know, kind of live in the design and that sort of thing and, and feel how, how it, how it works and that, that sort of stuff. So that, that may be the, the best application for it, that, that integrators use it themselves in, in their own showrooms. Excellent. All right, gentlemen, let's leave it there. We are pretty much out of time. Thank you both so much for joining us. Craig, if people want to connect with you, uh, learn more or read more about Commercial Integrator, where can they do that? They can go to commercialintegrator.com and they can find me on Twitter at Craig McCormick. Excellent. Thank you again for joining us. Mike, my good friend, thanks uh, as well for, for taking some time out of your day. If people want to connect with you, learn more about everything that NSCA is doing where can they find that? You can find us at nsca.org, O-R-G, and uh, M. Abernathy at nsca.org. So thanks a lot, Matt. Great being here today. Thank you both so much for being here. Uh, Thanks again for joining us. If you'd like to connect with me, I'm Matt D. Scott on Twitter and pretty much every other social platform. But more importantly, please visit avnation.tv where you'll find this show as well as a wide variety of our other shows with all the verticals that we cover. When you visit the website, please take a moment to check out our supporters. We are extremely thankful for their support and ask that you check them out as well. Thanks again for watching. That's all the time we have for this episode of AV Week. I find myself trying to somewhat... I like your... Yeah. Tim's AV Week. (laughs) 